Saturday has arrived, and despite what the person with the large sunglasses says, there is no night that's all right for fighting. But each and every day is a chance to catch up with local government in and around Charlottesville, here on Charlottesville Community Engagement. And perhaps this edition is just what you need to settle a dispute or think anew about the role of public policy and planning in a fluid and dynamic world. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the Virginia Redistricting Commission appears to have lost its chair after a procedural vote ended in a stalemate. There's a new interim assistant chief for the Charlottesville Police Department. An algae bloom has erupted at Chris Green Lake. And the Albemarle Registrar sent incorrect mail-in ballots to people in three precincts in the western part of the county. Let's begin with a quick Patreon-fueled shout-out. A concerned Charlottesville parent wants to make sure the community participates in the middle school reconfiguration process that is currently underway. After years of discussion, concrete plans are being put forward and there has been support from City Council and the school board. You can learn more and contribute to the discussion at the City of Charlottesville Schools BMDO's information page at charlottesvilleschools.org facilities. Because of Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, we won't get new data on new cases from the Virginia Department of Health until Tuesday. On Friday, the VDH reported 2,836 cases, and the seven-day average for new cases is at 2,690. The seven-day percent positivity is at 8%, down from 8.8% on October 1st. Dr. Kosti Safri, an epidemiologist at the University of Virginia, said the drop in Virginia and nationwide might be because the Delta virus has spread widely in people who are unvaccinated, and that number is dropping. Kind of like a forest fire, it um, you know burnt through some susceptible um, forest um, in parts of the country, and now it's moving to other parts of the country that um, maybe have a little more resilience to uh, a wave, um, and also truthfully, probably fewer people that are, are at risk. Dr. Sifri said there is continued risk as more people congregate indoors and as new mutations occur. There's also the potential for waning immunity, which is why efforts are underway to increase the infrastructure for booster shots. A new community vaccine center will open up in Seminole Square Shopping Center on Tuesday. Vaccinations for children between 5 and 11 are not yet authorized, but the Blue Ridge Health District wrote in an update yesterday that they are preparing to administer shots if Pfizer is successful in their request for emergency use. We hope to have guidance by the end of October or early November in regards to when 5 to 11-year-olds can get a Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. The Blue Ridge Health District will have a town hall on October 13th at 7 p.m., and one of the topics will be vaccination in pregnant women. There's a new person running day-to-day operations of the Charlottesville Police Department. City Manager Chip Boyles has appointed Latroy Tito Durrett to be assistant chief of the department while a national search is conducted for a new chief. Durrett was promoted to major from captain. According to a news release posted Friday afternoon, Durrett replaces Major James Mooney, whose retirement is now effective. 
Mooney delayed his retirement the day Boyles terminated Rochelle Brackney after three years on the job. City Council had a heated discussion of this matter this past Monday. You can watch Council's meeting in a link in the newsletter. The Albemarle Voter Registration and Elections Office is seeking to contact voters in three precincts in the western part of the county who may have been mailed an incorrect absentee ballot. These are for the Crozet, Brownsville, and Meacham's River precincts. Here's a line from a press release. Voters who received incorrect ballots should not fill them out and should immediately contact your voter registration and elections. If this happened to your ballot, you can also return that to the registrar's office on 5th Street Extended. You can also call 434-529-7127. According to the release, this error did not affect anyone who voted early in person. Also, here's a reminder that Tuesday is the last day to register to vote. An algae bloom at Chris Green Lake Park has caused Albemarle County to post an advisory closing the waterway to dogs. According to a release, there have been no reported health problems, but routine tests showed the presence of harmful algae. Here's another release. People and pets are prohibited from contact with the water until further notice. Mint Springs and Walnut Creek Lakes are not affected. Other features of the Chris Green Lake Park are still open, such as the dog park and walking trails. The lake experienced an algae bloom in June of 2018 following heavy rains. Albemarle hired the firm Solitude Lake Management to study the chemistry of the lake, and they concluded the source of the algae from the bloom three years ago was likely the result of an accumulation of organic material on the bottom of the lake. This was mentioned in an April report from the Facilities and Environmental Services Office. When levels of oxygen in the water drop during the heat of the summer, that large accumulation of lake muck releases a significant amount of phosphorus into the water. That's ripe conditions for algae blooms. The lake remains closed to dogs through at least Monday, when a new test will be conducted. According to Emily Kilbroy, Albemarle's Director of Communications and Public Engagement, they need two tests with levels below the threshold in order to resume normal operations. In recent state news, the Virginia Department of Mines, Minerals, and Energy is now simply known as the Department of Energy, or Virginia Energy. Legislation passed the General Assembly this year to make the change, which is part of a reorganization related to the 2020 Virginia Clean Economy Act. The website can be reached at energy.virginia.gov. In today's subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards continues to offer classes and events this fall and winter to increase your awareness of our wooden neighbors and to prepare for the future. On October 19th, there's a free class on the selection, planting, and care of trees from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. In early November, there is a three-part class on winter-invasive plant identification and treatment. Information on all the classes and the group can be found at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. One long segment here, and we go statewide. The Virginia Redistricting Commission met for nearly six hours yesterday and failed to reach consensus on a new map to submit to the General Assembly, and the future of the group is in doubt. 
Until this year, the majority in each House of the General Assembly controlled how the lines were laid out. Legislation and a constitutional referendum passed in 2020, and that created the commission. The 16-member group reached an impasse on Friday over how to proceed in efforts to draw districts to ensure minority representation in the 100-member House of Delegates and the 40-member Senate. Friday saw their first meeting after a week of virtual public hearings. They have until the end of Monday to complete their work. The stalemate hinges on the partisan nature of the committee, with eight Democrats and eight Republicans. Each had different legal counsel and cartographers who came up with different maps. Part of the discussion centered around a five-page memo from Senator George Barker, one of the Democratic commissioners. He pointed to a 2014 federal court ruling that declared Virginia's 3rd Congressional District unconstitutional because the boundaries were deliberately drawn so that African Americans would make up more than 50% of the voters. That would limit black influence in other districts in violation of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Here's Senator Barker. What you have is a situation where they uh, have the ability to make those, either of those districts uh, more than 50% African-American, but uh, drew two districts that were between uh, 40 and I think 47% uh, there that were uh, African-American voters. So there was not, even though it was a district, districts that could have been drawn to have majorities, uh, what the court determined was that it was not necessary to do that, and so they came up with lower figures. Barker wrote the memo to raise the question with the attorneys for the Republican and Democratic sides. At issue is Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which Virginia violated in both the aforementioned congressional district as well as in legislative districts in a case known as Bethune Hill versus the Virginia State Board of Elections. Kareem Creighton represents the Democrats and said he supported Barker's position. Just because you can mathematically does not mean that you should. And in fact, if you do it without justification, you run afoul potentially of an equal protection violation, very similar to the one that got Virginia in trouble last time in Bethune Hill. Representing the Republicans, Brian Tyson said the issue was putting too large of an emphasis on race in drawing districts. Under the Constitution, you cannot draw primarily based on race. So if race predominates in the decision-making for a district, kind of regardless of where that is, you've got a problem with the Constitution. There is established precedent that if you need to deviate from your criteria, keeping jurisdictions whole, communities of interest, whatever that might be, to comply with Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, you can consider race as a, as a much higher factor in that process, and that's the key really here. Those competing legal analyses set the tone for the debate, which covered many nuances about how previous districts were drawn and how the next ones should be drawn. There was debate about the number of majority black districts, as well as opportunities for minorities to be elected by forming coalitions. One member of the commission said he was concerned the commission did not seem to be making progress. Here's Sean Kamar. And I feel like we probably need like a countdown clock to midnight on Monday somewhere in the room. Just before the first morning break, co-chair Greta Harris reminded the commission of what citizen comments have been. Harris is a Democrat. People wanted us to first and foremost to try to be fair, to have compact districts to have 
uh, districts that try to hold uh, communities um, together, um, either at the city or county level, wherever possible. Um, and we've done that. Both maps do a really good job of that. And I think there is general agreement on the commission that the maps, variety of maps that are being uh, presented are better than our current maps. Harris said the task before the commission was to get the legal and moral clarity around how the line should be drawn. She suggested a decision tree for guidance. Specifically on how we're going to address race, because we will not, I don't believe, be able to have a single map um, for either house unless we can, as a commission, have clarity on how we're going to address communities of color. After the virtual public hearings were held this week, the Democratic consultants offered up two new maps. One, a House map, was posted on Thursday. The new Senate map, put together by the Democrats, was released during the meeting, and some Republicans questioned that. Creighton said he thought there had been a directive to update the maps with feedback from the hearings. We think you should look at all of these maps, as I think other commissioners have expressed, as iterations of what could be your final choice, or at least the start of your final choice. But I would not, I I would caution the commission from letting which map was submitted when, because, you know, this has happened that I think both of our sides have sort of misunderstood maybe things that were said and either produced more maps and, you know, surprised the other side or not. I think that's less relevant than the big question at hand, which is what you all as a commission are going to do to uh, properly represent African-American, Latino, Asian-American political opportunity in this state with respect to these particular laws. James Abrenio is a citizen commissioner who expressed concern that they had not been able yet to advance to a single map in order to have detailed and tough discussions. We, we, we're talking about abstract things here that we can't get rubber to the road. It's just confusing, and we're running out of time, and I'm concerned that the confusion is almost designed intentionally to be there, so we don't actually have to start taking votes. Harris suggested that the map drawers on each side go through the latest changes. One commissioner objected to using B5, the Democratic map, as a starting point for the Senate. Here is Senator Ryan McDougal, a Republican who represents Mechanicsville. There's zero percent chance I'm going to vote to start from a map that just got presented to me moments ago. Abrinio suggested taking one map from each party as a starting point. And then we can at least orient the discussion. But if we just keep on going in circles, we're running out of time. Either this is going to happen or it's not. But if we just keep it on a parallel path, let's just go home now. However, consensus was never reached on what map to begin with. All we're trying to do is get a starting point for each house. District 22 at 69.9%. For over an hour or so, different map makers reviewed their majority-minority districts and gave the demographic percentages. And the surrounding area is 63.9% combined minority. District 25, which is the Gainesville area, is 40%, 45%. At the conclusion, Delegate Marcus Simon offered to make a motion to proceed with the Republican map for the House and the Democratic map for the Senate. You know, if we could start with A7, 
We could start with B5, and we could pick a map to, to keep drilling down on. We, we have a chance, I think, to get somewhere today right, and tomorrow and by Monday. Harris prepared to call the motion to a vote. If there are no other questions, then Meg, will you call the uh, roll? I'm going to make yes. a substitute motion. I'd, and substitute motion is that we work uh, on the Senate maps. McDougal continued to object to the recently updated Democratic map being used as a starting point. His motion was simply to start with the A5 map for the Senate, and he did not take a position on the House map. Abrenio suggested voting on McDougal's version first, and then Simon's motion. None of this seems collaborative. It's, it's actually the opposite. We have two sets of lawyers, two sets of map drawers, two sets of maps. Motion is to use the Republican map for the Senate as the starting point. As the starting point. Mr. Brenio. No. Mr. Hutchins. No. Mr. Kumar. No. Mr. Feliciano. Yes. Mrs. Tross Thornton. The vote on McDougal's yes. motion was eight to eight on party lines yes. and deadlocked. Then Delegate, Delegate Simon's motion was voted on. Delegate Dolores McQuinn made these comments before the vote. And I just want to reiterate, in case we are not hearing, that this is a starting point. So we get down the road a little bit further down the road and decide we don't want to use anyone, either of the maps, then I guess we could decide that we are going to throw them out the window. But it is a starting point. It is to begin the process to get us beyond this impasse. Harris asked to call the vote, but one Republican member tried to make a last comment, and one tried to call for a recess. Would you please call the vote? Ma'am Chairman. Will you please call the vote, ma'am? Ma'am Chairman, will you please call, will you please call the vote, please? Ma'am Chair, can we take a recess for just a couple minutes? Just call no, them before I, I really, no. I would like to call the vote. Mr. Brenio. Yes. Mr. Hutchins. Yes. Mr. Kumar. Yes. Mr. Feliciano. Mrs. But the motion, again, deadlocked. Harris no. said the impasse likely Mr. meant Harrell. this whole process could no longer continue. And I think what voters wanted at the very beginning of this process was this to not be a partisan situation, but it is. At this point, I really don't see the need for us to continue. Um, we gave it a shot as a commission. Um, we tried to come together. It's a very complicated process, lots of different competing criteria, but I would almost say that we're done. Senator Barker said he was not ready to quit and said he wanted to move forward. He made a motion to proceed with a comparison of both Senate maps. That motion never got a second. Senator Bill Stanley said it is part of the public's business to break impasses. He urged the commission to continue. I'm not someone that just throws in the towel and gives up because we can't reach a consensus at this point in time. Senator Barker, a Democrat, suggested the work could still be completed. I still feel optimistic in terms of we can get this done. And I would say that we, uh, the best thing would, and the easiest thing to do is to start with the Senate map because there are fewer districts. I think there are fewer uh, conflicts. However, Harris said she did not want to proceed without knowing where the conversation would start for the House of Delegates. 
Look, I, I, but, but it's, I, but it's I not an either or. It's yeah. both or nothing. Yeah, and yeah. so at this point, yes. if we're going to, you know, do a kumbaya, you know, down the Senate road, that's fine. And then what's the starting point for the House? Delegate Simon said he could read the political math and sided with citizen legislators from his party. You know, at the end of this process, we have to get to a supermajority, right? I mean, we haven't been able to break eight votes on any of these substantive issues. Republican Commissioner Jose Feliciano Jr. said he was also not ready to quit and explained why he voted against Delegate Simon's motion. I didn't I don't necessarily dislike the map that we voted down. My problem with that map is that we got that map today. There was a final recess. Many of the members initially did not come back and a motion to adjourn was called. Ms. Lamb, would you please call the motion? Madam Chair, speaking to the motion. Motion to adjourn is not debatable. Point of order. Would you please call the motion, Ms. Lamb? Mr. Brenio. Yes. Mr. Hutchins. Yes. Mr. Kumar. No. All of the Republicans voted no, no, but they were joined by two Democrats. Madam Co-Chair Babichenko. Harris was no. not one of them. Madam Co-Chair Harris. Yes. The motion fails uh, 610. Really working on transforming communities, uh, you have to build trust and you have to believe that people sitting across the table from you are sincere in their shared desire to make a positive difference. At this point, um, I don't feel as though all members on the commission are sincere in their willingness to compromise and create fair maps for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Then Harris appeared to quit. I will remove myself from the commission at this point. At that point, other commissioners began leaving. One who remained addressed the chair. I think three citizen individuals have walked out of the room and we had one citizen that was via electronic. So does that mean we have no quorum at this point? We've lost quorum, yes, sir. Having lost the vote to adjourn, the Democrats broke quorum anyway, stopping the discussion. Today's scheduled meeting was canceled, and there is one on the books for Monday, beginning at 8 a.m. Mackenzie Babachenko is the Republican co-chair. As the only chair, I likely can call a meeting. Whether we will have a quorum at that time is that remains to be seen. I will be recording Monday morning just to see what happens. If not, it will likely go to the Supreme Court, and there's certain to be a lot more discussion of this over the next month or so. For more coverage, check out the Richmond Times-Dispatch and the Virginia Mercury. As many eyes on this process as possible is probably a good thing for our democracy. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Stepping out a little bit further afield than usual, but it's all related. This is a topic I do think that more people should be paying attention to, and also paying attention to the way that business is done, uh, such as this. Uh, We can all debate on how things should happen, but Charlottesville Community Engagement and the work I do is simply to write down what does happen for future discussion and all of that. Thank you to everybody who is helping to support this venture. Uh, And of course, this is the sixth newsletter that has been produced this week. 
That's because there's been so much going on this week, and there's a lot more each and every day, each and every week. And that's why we need programs like this and and all kinds of journalism to capture the many discussions that are going on all across the Commonwealth, all across the world. There are many ways to support this program. You can subscribe through Substack, which is matched by Ting. There's Patreon, which is a good way to support the work I do seven days a week to get this information out there. And there's other ways, too. Drop me a line if you're interested in helping me keeping this going. And I will be back tomorrow with an installment of the Week Ahead newsletter. This is a weekly look at what's going on in all of the localities in the Thomas Jefferson Planning District. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back in the future with another episode. Thank you very much and have a great rest of the weekend. Stay safe out there.